Welcome to Radio Uninvited, the podcast. This is Bryce Noble. I'm here with Asya Hussein, and today we have a special guest, Mr. Lance Gould, formerly editor of the Huffington Post and founder and current CEO of the Brooklyn Story Lab. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be in Connecticut. <laughs> you are virtually. <laughs> yes. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> We're all over. We really are. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So uh, most of you are probably familiar with Lance. Um, you obviously have a very compelling come up and background with journalism. And uh, that kind of saw you through. And I'd love for you to kind of add on to this. Um, I think you were at AOL for a turn, um, which was bought by the Huffington Post, of course. Um, and that's when you kind of um, had it up with Ariana Huffington. So that's very close to correct. I um, was about 30 years in journalism, uh, including a stint uh, at the Boston Phoenix, where I was editor at another New England um, media outlet. Um, I grew up in New York and um, was uh, previously uh, editor of Spy Magazine. I had been a deputy managing editor of the New York Daily News. Um, the Daily News uh, gig saw me, brought me to Kenya for Survivor, the TV show Survivor, for the very third season. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, it was Survivor Africa, quote unquote. And so we went to Kenya, or I went to Kenya to cover that. And then from that, you know, from the ridiculous like that to the somber and, and awful 9 11. Uh, where I was, uh, you know, I was in the entertainment section, but we all became uh, reporters and feature reporters and, and news reporters at that particular moment in time. Um, just a real uh, transcendent and awful and 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 yet um, uh, just unforgettable experience and just journalistically and uh, it just navigating uh, 9-11 at the Daily News, which was such an iconic uh, newspaper. And then um, I, I, was, I was at AOL for a little bit, and AOL bought HuffPost. Mm -hmm. And previously, uh, I had met Ariana Huffington um, in another encounter with a Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, maybe maybe their favorite son. Uh, are you familiar with Richard Belzer being from Bridgeport? Yeah. Well, not from Bridgeport, but I, I know the name, sure. Yes. I, yes. I believe I'm I'm pretty sure he is from Bridgeport, but uh, I, I was doing some some side work with him as a as a as a writer and um and uh, uh editorial advisor and and I was a producer on a on a on a Comedy Central special that he did called Talk of the Town, where it, they had various Comedy Central personalities come on. Ariana Huffington was one of them and I had a chance to uh interact with her. Uh, and some other folks, uh, people from The Daily Show when it first started out. And then when I was at AOL, um, they bought Huffington Post, and then I was able to make the transition over to uh, to HuffPost and to Ariana's team and, and, and work very closely with her. And in that position, I found myself really doubling down on, on social good, social good storytelling. In 2015... Uh, should I just get right into it here, I guess? Uh, in, in, sure. in, in, in 2015, there was sort of a twin engine of social good that the UN um, shepherded. One was the Sustainable Development Goals. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but the, the SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals is a 17-goal blueprint for making sure that no one on the planet is left behind by the year 2030. Um and it was it was passed unanimously in September, adopted unanimously by the UN, which is really hard to do. If you try to think of any bill, any legislation in the U.S., 
anywhere in the world being adopted even close to unanimously, it, 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 it would be a pretty incredible feat. But for this to be adopted by every country in the world, including North Korea, including Iran, including um, you know just the, the the gamut from Italy to Iran to Iraq to Israel, you know just you know every every country adopting it, it's pretty remarkable. And then three or four months later in December was COP twenty one, which is the uh, Paris Climate um conference and between and and that was also passed unanimously wow. uh, and so between those two events in 2015 it seemed like there's a fairly nice rosy trajectory i mean i I'm not naive to think that everything was was fine but between those two events being passed those two um uh, uh uh bills or 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 agreements being passed unanimously it seemed like things were on, were, were on a pretty good road to success uh, for, for at least being able to navigate climate change and, and and sustainability issues and then not to blame everything on donald trump but then trump was elected uh we walked away from the paris climate accord we you know uh a uh, uh a climate as it, you know uh, as it were of uh, of denying of denying of denying the existence of climate uh, became pervasive, and and again, he's not the only reason that things were set back, but certainly was played a big part in how things um, were pushed back. And and, and so anyway, uh, that that takes that's that while while I was at Huffington Post, really doubled down on covering the, the SDGs, covering the Paris Climate Accord, covering ways to navigate the the biggest problems that we that we face as a society. Uh, and, and really try to make that section an idea section for for solutions. Let me ask. Uh, I, I was reading a, your bio somewhere, and it had mentioned you covering the UN that started your journalistic career. Did you have any uh, interaction with the UN before this uh, when you were with the Huffington Post, or is that the same? No, I, no. I uh, thank you, uh, Bryce. I, I did have uh, a lot of engagement with the UN be- previous to HuffPost. Um, uh, one of my first jobs was in 1991 um, when I was fairly freshly out of college, a little bit out of college. Um, I got a job at uh, something called the Earth Summit Times, which was a newspaper devoted to covering the very first Earth Summit. So um, you guys have heard of, uh, of, of COP21 and the Paris Accord. Um, every year, the UN, every year since this big Earth Summit, in, which was in 1992 in Rio, that was the very first, very first Earth Summit. Uh, every year since then, or, or or most years since then, they've had um, what they call the COP, which is Conference of the Parties (COP). Uh, it's a UN acronym soup. It's a little, it's a little silly, but there's been basically twenty-seven. This year in Egypt will be COP twenty-seven. Last year in Glasgow there was COP twenty-six, and the, you know every five years are sort of the big ones. And so COP twenty-one was the big one uh, in Paris where they made. Uh, the uh, again, this unanimous agreement to uh, to take climate change a little bit more seriously, and then five years later, in Glasgow, um, was another big one last year, and and you know, but now there's a lot of momentum in that space, and so the, the big one uh, th- this year's conference will be in Egypt, in Sharm el Sheikh in in uh, November. That's so right. And are are you going to be hands on over there? Are you attending? We're, I will be attending. Yes, and and so. Um, what we do now, uh, having once I left HuffPost, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here. No, but, this but is once, fantastic. Thank you. 
It's, it's all so interesting. So thank you for kind of weaving through it as it, as it makes sense for you, of course. And thank you for, for, for having me on and to, to discuss this. It's uh, very, very glad to, to, to share these, to share these stories. But, um, but uh, after I left HuffPost, um, I started my own business, which is, um, which is called Brooklyn Story Lab. And at Brooklyn Story Lab, our, our mantra is that we teach purpose-driven organizations how to think and behave like media companies, really teaching them how to become their own, their, their own media companies. You don't need to have a journalist anymore to be the middleman to tell your story. You can tell your own story on social media. You can tell your own story uh, in, in blog form, uh, on, on your own website, through video, through uh, podcasts, through things of that nature. So we, we really, and, and that's the lab part of the name where we really work with organizations that, and help them better tell their own stories so that they can get more, one, impact, and two, more visibility, or, or, okay. or really more visibility and then more impact. Can I interject here real quick? So are, are you really focusing on these uh, groups involved with global issues and, and, and like environmental things, or it could it just be anybody's trying to, trying to spread a, a, an important message or who are your customers? Very good question, Bryce. And, and 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 Bryce, I'm also conscious of wanting to get back to the other UN question you asked. I'm sorry, I got okay. sidelined. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, come back to it. Sure. But uh, but in terms of in terms of you know quote unquote customers, I, I guess the 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 clients and partners that we work with are purpose driven organizations that are work, doing some work tied to uh, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And just to get, like a, a quick thing on the SDGs, um, it's a 17 goal blueprint for making sure no one on the planet is left behind. So there are different goals, which are really categories. There's one on poverty, one on gender equality, education, health, climate, um, uh, equality, peace and justice, things of that uh, things of that nature. And these were created again in 2015, um, really sort of um, with a predictive nature of some of the things that were that were that have blown up into, into larger issues, uh, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be social justice issues in the summer of 2020, whether it be conflict in uh, in uh, in the Ukraine, there are, there are all kinds of um, uh, th these SDGs really cover this wide gamut of social good issues. That it's as if, it's as if a bunch of math nerds sat around and figured out what do we have to do to get equality or or to, or or to have or to have a satisfactory. Uh, outcome in these seventeen in these seventeen different categories. So the, the groups we work with, some of them might be climate groups, some of them might be um, uh, about governments. You get governments involved, or we, yes, in, in, and in fact, the seventeenth goal, which is called partnerships, is really about working together to achieve the other sixteen goals. And so we one of the more interesting projects we worked on. Was an elephant conservation program, and I know I'm jumping all over the place here. That's no, fine. Great. But in this elephant conservation program, there was a Fortune 500 company that came to us and said, "Hey, we have a purpose-driven project for you. We'd like to like to tell you about." And they, it was um, a company that did uh, mining in Southern Africa, and they said, "For every hectare of land that we disturb with excavation, we try to have six hectares of land that we protect." And I wasn't sure if there was, you know, my BS detector was was was, <laughs> was going off, but I, you know, wanted to hear more about what they were doing. And they actually have a number of nature reserves that they own in Botswana and South Africa, which are the only two countries that allow for the private ownership of game. 
And in one of these nature reserves that they owned, there was a um, carrying capacity of between 40 and 60 elephants. That's how many elephants the ecosystem could handle. And this nature reserve that had the carrying capacity of 40 to 60 elephants had 270 elephants on it. So more than, there were more than 200 elephants, too many for the ecosystem to handle. Now, this reserve was about the size of Atlanta. It's pretty massive, but it's still not massive enough for elephants, which have these 10,000 mile migratory patterns. So what they were doing, this company was footing the bill for translocating 200 elephants from South Africa to Mozambique, which is a country that was just absolutely devastated by civil war from 1977 to 1992, like a 15 year civil war in which 1 million people died. Many died of famine. And because of the the famine that 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 so negatively impacted the country due to the civil war, most of the animals in the country were consumed. So there's virtually there was virtually no wildlife left, particularly large, you know, mega herbivore like elephants. And elephants are a keystone species that without elephants, your your ecosystem can never thrive because they have they, they have 17, 18 different traits that allow for ecosystems to to grow. Um, 61 different invertebrates can live in an elephant footprint in a rainy season. Uh, Certain plants count on elephants to propagate because they'll ingest the seeds and then disperse them in dung, you know, thousands of miles away. Uh, Their dung is particularly um, fertile for growing crops. They'll knock over certain trees that create animal highways. So there's all these things that elephants do that help ecosystems grow. And Mozambique was stunted without elephants. And so on the one hand, you had one ecosystem that was being crushed by too many elephants because they, they're so large that they can have such a negative impact in one small area, and another system that could benefit from having elephants because it had none. So it was a win-win. And yet this company wanted to make themselves the quote-unquote star of the show. And I said, do you have any partners? And they said, yeah, well, we have the um, the Mozambique government, the South Africa government, and uh, an NGO called Peace Parks Foundation that was co-founded by Nelson Mandela to create these transnational corridors for wildlife. And I said, you guys have Nelson Mandela on board? You didn't mention that? Right. Lead with that. Said, let, 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 let's go with that. So yeah. the, the, the gold standard of an SDG 17 partnership is a public-private civil society partnership. And that's what this organization had. So we said, let's call the whole program Moving Giants rather than this company's elephant project. And, and that became, you know, uh, you, you know, so, so we do work with governments and we, and, and, and the Mozambique and South Africa governments were very heavily involved in this particular project as well as, uh, and, you know, nonprofits like Peace Parks Foundation, as well as, uh, uh, for-profit companies. So I think that's really the, the road forward is, 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 most efforts need private sector. The, the reason SDG 17 partnerships really exists is because the UN recognizes that in order to achieve the other 16 goals by 2030, they'll need to raise trillions and trillions of dollars every year. And without public sector, without private sector money, that'll never happen. So if you, it's, it's really an olive branch to the private sector to say, hey, whatever you're doing, and Bryce, back to your other question about about what kind of work is being done in the SDGs, whatever you're doing under the social good umbrella, if you could attach it to this international framework for social good, you can get one more visibility and two more impact. Okay, so I I don't know if this is a, a, 
a smooth transition, but one thing that I wanted to kind of convey uh, to our listeners, and if and we're talking with Lance Gold, um, Lance, so when you help, um, you know, governments per se, or, you know, some of these other leading um, organizations, what is it? So the organization that you just mentioned um, with the uh, Moving Giants project, what what kind of work or hands-on um, approach did you, the, the work involved, um, what did that look like that you actually kind of did for them? Was it capturing the footage? Was it helping to publicize these things? Was it... Um, or all of it, right? Did, right. You, did you run the entire suite for them? You just, you're in charge of all, all media branding. Is that how it works with the group like yours? In, in, in many ways, the latter. Yes, Bryce. And thank you, Asia, uh, for, the, for the question. It's, it's less PR because we, we're, we're, we're not a PR firm. Mm-hmm. What we do is what we, what, we, what we offer is what we call content solutions. So uh, it would be in the form of uh, editorial, in the form of video, podcasts, um, websites, articles, thought leadership, op-eds, events, and not gala events, but more like uh, thought leadership events, seminars, panels, social media, and strategy. So with Moving Giants, for example, we created a documentary video series that captured the capture. It was a seven-part series that you know uh, was on the ground with the team that was capturing the elephants. It was a very crazy dangerous operation where they're you know darting darting elephants from a helicopter oh uh, trying to move trying to move entire families at once uh, because very interestingly like about 40 or 50 years ago they used to uh, when they were doing conservationists were moving elephants they what they used to do is they would cull the adults they would kill all the adult uh, elephants and then just move the babies. And one, I don't think anyone has the taste for that uh, anymore, con- particularly considering that elephants are, if not endangered, they're, they're, I think their official status is threatened and very near endangered. Mm-hmm. And, and that- two, really super interesting, mm-hmm. um, there was a, 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 a park in South Africa that took in the baby elephants. And when baby elephants grow up without adult supervision, they become what they call delinquent. And they're basically like juvies running amok, killing rhinos, killing other, you know, attacking humans. And and so the, the park rangers would find dead rhinos in the park, but their horns were still there. So that they're, they're like, this isn't the work of poachers. They have these big slashes on their bodies. They weren't sure what it was at first, but then they realized it was elephants. And then when the same park reintroduced adult elephants into the population, the juvenile elephants quickly respected the elder leader and 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 went back to normal so you can't translocate elephants you know with you have to move entire families together this is so, so interesting this is so interesting just because there's so many people out there who maybe i'm the ignorant one that just doesn't understand this need globally right like all these moving parts as you're talking about that have to happen to make this happen successfully i, I would think that so it makes your organization uh, really important, right? Being a strategic partner for S- SDG 17 is is telling that story because it's, it's a brand new story. I mean, uh, who even knew, you know, the elephants, you were talking about elephant dung and the seeds and how, you know, we all know how delicate the ecosystem is, but it really comes to the forefront in your storytelling here. There's thank, also- thank you, Bryce. And, and, and you're absolutely right to think that everything's connected. And that's why the SDGs are all connected. And one lever can really, you pull one, you push one lever and it really impacts something else. Um, when it comes to climate, education and health and gender equality, you know, you may, skeptics may, may 
may scoff, but they're all really interlinked. And if you if one thing goes too far, it really has a negative impact on, on something else unless you're doing it all in sync. And I'm sorry, I see I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, you're fine. I, I'm I'm this is so intriguing too. Um so I I, I love elephants and I, I like to read about them from, from time to time. And I know that there's this big sort of um, going on about they grieve and the, the new studies show that they're like the, um, the, the only animal of their type that, that show empathy because of the way that they um, settle with the bones of their, their, their fallen family members. So it just, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. And um uh, it's interesting from my work on the moving giants project, I ended up, you know, pro bono. I'm now on the board of world elephant day, um, which is, which is August 12th, which world elephant day gets over a billion social media impressions. Cause, cause you're not alone to see so many people love elephants and, 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 and find them such a, there's, it's such an iconic species. They're they're They have so many human like qualities that, that really make them stand apart from other animal species. They're just majestic. Absolutely. Now, I, I was looking at uh, some awards and, that are listed attributed to you, Lance, and that was one I was going to point out. You, you, you beat me to the punch. But uh, what about this Leadership Council for the UN uh, Media Social Impact Summit? Uh, can you tell me something about that, too, That that how that applies? to? It, it seems like it dovetails perfectly into all these other things you're talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bryce. In fact, um, uh that is an annual event that is going to be held this week uh, on Friday uh, at the UN. Um, and that, that award came from, um, uh, from UN circles from, for recognizing the various work that, that I was leading, but not doing alone uh, at HuffPost by giving the spotlight of the HuffPost uh, blogging platform uh, to so many people in the SDG sphere um, but really, um, a lot of the work that that I encourage was to uh, give a different day, a different spotlight every day to a different SDG during September 2015 when when they first launched, and um, uh, really putting the spotlight on that work and trying to get more recognition for this important set of guidelines and and standards and and aspirational goals for uh, for really saving the planet as it were uh, yes and so that work uh, i guess that award was recognition just of of the commitment of of giving the huffpost platform to that to that kind of uh content but to your earlier question um bryce in terms of covering the un so i i was uh i was working for the earth summit times in 1991 and 1992 and and went to rio for the very first earth summit um which preceded these different COPs, uh, of which COP27 will be taking place in November this year in Egypt. Uh, and then as a journalist, I wrote various stories for uh, New York Magazine, um, covering the UN as sort of a, I, I guess I sort of had my own fictional uh, UN bureau where I would just file stories about uh, interesting or bizarre things happening at the UN and in, the, in New York UN circles, dip- diplomatic circles. One example was um, there was the Chinese mission to the UN moved from wherever it was to uh, on the east side to this park right across the street from a park in the in the uh, low 30s. And they didn't realize it at the time because maybe they, maybe there were too many trees and things of that nature. But when 
winter hit, they noticed and all the leaves fell off that there was a bathroom in the park right across from the opening of the consulate. This this was the Chinese consulate that that covered a lot of diplomatic um, uh, work in New York, and and so the bathroom was right across from the entrance to the to the consulate, and that messed up the feng shui, and they and the the, the Chinese consulate petitioned the city to try to move the bathroom so that it wasn't directly across from their uh, entrance, and the city refused to do so. So there was this big contretemps between the Chinese consulate and the city about a bathroom. Um, so there was a, there was a lot of uh, a lot a, lo- a lot of kind of silly fun stories relating to the UN that I was covering wh- when I was when I was doing that kind of work. That must have been refreshing for you too, because you don't necessarily think that that's going to be paired with like you know the, the subject matter and the importance you know with which the the, the UN is is wielding its you know all, all of the different missions with. Very very true. Very true. A, a, a lot of it had to do with sort of the behind the scenes mm. diplomacy and gamesmanship. There was another story that we called the, the Cuban mission crisis. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Cuban mission to the UN is on Lexington and, and 38th. And um, at one point there were some protesters who were protesting outside the Cuban mission and they're blasting music at the mission. And the Cuban mission blasted music back. And they seemed to have a bigger stereo system, so they were drowning out the protesters. And God. everyone in the neighborhood was just kind of getting driven crazy by by the back and forth contest between the two parties, like blasting music at each other. And uh, it just became this uh, this this noise pollution game. That, but again, yeah. it was like one of these behind the scenes diplomacy things where um, it's it just amusing to see how the, how how the missions how the diplomats in the city work in, 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 uh, on those levels. Yeah. That's a bit rock and roll. Very <laughs> and you, and you captured it all. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We captured it all in a, in a story for New York magazine. Um, so you, you have, um, you know, a couple of these big events coming up, like COP, like you mentioned, um, Egypt in November, and then you have a couple other ones. I don't know if you wanted to go into um, anything that kind of sticks out to you or um, something that you're working on for any of them. Um, let's see. Well, COP27 is going to be really interesting in uh, in Egypt. And, and right now, um, September, starting September 19th, but, and, and a little bit before that, um, the UN uh, General Assembly takes place. And it's known as UNGA, U-N-G-A. And every year UNGA takes place. And there's just like a, a, like a two-week sprint of events after event after event, many of them related to the SDGs, many of them related to diplomacy, um, and then New York uh, Climate Week NYC usually takes place the second week of UNGA. And so that's September 19th this year. And just thousands and thousands of people come to the city from all over the world to take part in and to be heard during this period when all the heads of state are in town. 